The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Craig, thank you. 507 on the Central Coast. On this Thursday, January 19th, 2023, I'm Dave Congleton. Boy, I can't thank Tom Wilmer enough for joining us this last hour. I never heard about the FDR yacht up in Oakland. I was not aware of these bay tours. I am definitely, maybe in the spring, I'm going to be shooting up to Oakland and taking that uh, FDR cruise. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Still to come on this broadcast at 6.05, we have our interview with uh, Joan and Jeff Buckingham about her recent battle against cancer. Tomorrow we have Professor Sarah Bridger with us explaining the upcoming transition at Cal Poly from the quarter system to the semester system and why she is not wild about that idea on Monday. The folks from Caltrans will be here. A lot to cover, but we are with you Weekday afternoons from 3.05 to 7 o'clock right here on KVEC. Meanwhile, I cannot believe we have gone three weeks into the new year without talking and checking in with our good friend and regular contributor, the one, the only, Mr. Dan Shadwell. We make up for that now as we welcome Dan back to the broadcast. Dan, how are you, sir? Doing well, Dave. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. Uh, Good to hear from you. And I imagine that you probably did some soul-searching over the holiday break and in this first part of the year, and you decided that you've been wrong all this time about current events. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a a massive revisiting of of everything. You know what's so funny, Dave? I I mean, you know, we've been talking now um, on the air for years, and and occasionally, just for fun, I'll go back and and listen to some of the programs that we've done together. And, um, you know, I I don't want to say that that everything I've said has has turned out to be true, but I I would say a lot of our discussions, I think, have, um, have had interesting foreshadowing to some of the events that were we're looking at nowadays so anyway any um, any any, anyone come to mind as an example well you know i i think you know early on when we started looking at at a lot of the the difficulties that uh, the former president was having you know uh, i think we we were able to kind of predict that that he was going to get into trouble in in impeachments and so on down the road but um, you know what's interesting now is that that I, I his his light seems to be fading, and in particular now there's a there's an article I believe in the Washington Post or New York Times about um, how evangelicals are now beginning to lose uh, faith, you know, so to speak, in Donald Trump too. So anyway, it, it's it's been interesting, but I'd encourage folks to go back and and if, if you have a little bit of time. Check out some of the uh, the older shows, because I, I think they're well worth a listen. An excellent idea, and of course you can find all that on our website at 920kvec.com, or, or you can get the KVEC app and take us with you wherever you go. All right, I don't want to talk so much about Trump. I'm more interested in Kevin McCarthy, our former congressman who is now yeah. the Speaker of the House. Uh, he mm-hmm. has had an amazing rise to power. Uh, did you watch that whole series of events that week as he struggled to get the speakership? Oh, yeah. It was it was fascinating television, and, it, and it's the sort of thing that, 
normally you would never see because all of those negotiations would be held in private. But because there was no official leadership in the House of Representatives, uh, there was no way for them to adjourn and, and go anywhere to work out all the details and all the sausage making. So we all got a chance to kind of see these uh, these you know even even uh, disagreements and, and arguably some fights um, on on the uh, floor of the house and certainly some very sharp words exchanged between the lawmakers yeah and what about the way McCarthy handled himself well what's interesting is that I, I think he um, I think he figured um, and and it turns out that he was correct about this that by not engaging and not pouring fuel on the fire and not screaming and yelling, um, he would be able to prevail. And and eventually, I think he had some other lawmakers on his side who, who were in favor of his leadership, uh, pressuring a lot of the, the sort of outliers, including Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, uh, to go ahead and, and at least vote present so that they wouldn't be obstructing his his efforts to become speaker. So the problem, of course, is that he has such a thin majority that virtually everything that, that comes up in the House under his leadership is going to be a, a, a negotiation. And my guess is it's going to be probably pretty tricky. Well, that's going to be my next question, is that now that the Republicans control the House and Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker, what do you expect to happen in this next year? What are you going to be looking for? Well, the Republican Congress folks have promised for quite a while now that there would be retribution and um, all sorts of investigations and punishing of, of Democrats for everything from uh, the investigations into the Trump administration to Mar-a-Lago and the document situation to the FBI, um, even even down to Hunter Biden. And you would think that you would think that some of these lawmakers might have learned a little bit after all of the endless Benghazi hearings that, that didn't produce anything. Um, and then that they might think that this was uh, just going to be a big sideshow that the American people would get tired of, but apparently not. And I, I think they must think that their base is angry enough about the impeachment hearings of Donald Trump and all the legal troubles he's facing that they're, they just want to blame the Democrats and forget all about it. One of the first things that Kevin McCarthy has done is that he has taken Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Congressman Gosar, and he's given them committee assignments. Yes. What's, and, the, what's the significance of that, Dan? Well, specifically with Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, if you remember just a couple of years back, she was um, pushing a bunch of anti-Semitic tropes and had retweeted very hateful things about members of Congress who should be effectively executed, hanged, and, and she, I mean, it was just really, it was absurd and, and completely inappropriate behavior for, for a U.S. lawmaker to be doing, and as a, as basically a reaction to that, she had all of her committee assignments um, removed, so that she was just sort of out there just kind of as a loose cannon screaming and yelling for the last couple of years with no real power in any committees. But now now she has committee assignments, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And we've got, of course, Jim Jordan, and we've got Matt Gates, and we've got several other people who are, are just um, uh, heck-bent 
to put it lightly, um, on trying to extract a pound of flesh everywhere they can for anything that, that they're upset about. So, so it sounds like you're expecting a lot of drama. Yes. <laughs> I'm expecting a lot of drama and not a lot of action. And unfortunately, uh, the first big task, of course, is trying to figure out the debt ceiling and make sure that the United States did not default on its debts. Yeah, well, isn't that going to be the first big fight? Yes, it is. And, and again, this is one of those things that you would think that, well, the Republicans might have, have learned a lesson about this, because this is a recurring theme now. Um, and if you think back to the Obama administration, where uh, you had GOP congressmen and women threatening to shut down the government if they were not able to extract concessions from the Obama administration, they were going to go ahead and, and burn down the house. They were going to throw the United States into default internationally, which would roil all the all the markets. All of our, our interest rates would skyrocket. The the stock markets would tank, and our standing with all of our allies as well as our adversaries overseas would become far more difficult. So I, I don't know. It's a little bit like you know we you know the, the GOP decides to hold a gun to all all of our heads um, unless unless we decide to agree to spending cuts on 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 various discretionary measures which which in fact are are a minority of what the US uh pays for every year so there are things like um like well military is one of them but there are other government spending plans so, so yeah here we are again it's a question of who blinks first right and 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 again this this doesn't help anybody that's the thing that's so really it's just harmful. It's just dangerous. And all it does is it scares the markets. So the bond market goes nuts. The stock market begins to plummet. Everybody gets very nervous um, overseas. But, of course, the bigger problem is that if if you refuse to raise the national debt, this has nothing to do with future spending. This is about the, the dollars we've already spent. This is paying our bills. It's not. It's not about future negotiations. But um, you know, they, I, I guess they, they figure they have some leverage there. Um, but I, I, I really wish um, I really wish Republicans would say to their lawmakers, knock it off, guys, because if if this doesn't resolve quickly, we can expect higher interest rates. So, by the way, if you happen to have an adjustable rate mortgage on your house, if you have credit card debt, if you have a car loan, if you have any of these things that, that are affected by interest rates, all that that's going to do is make your life far more miserable and expensive so i you know it but again they i guess they feel like they have leverage and uh leader mccarthy uh i think has so little control over his caucus now over the over the people in his party because uh, of the all these deals he had to make in order to get the the job as leader uh it's going to be really tough for him to keep everybody in order. All right. We are in conversation with Dan Shadwell making his first appearance on this broadcast for the new year. We could not be happier to be hosting this conversation. We'll take a short break, come back and chat some more. We've got some text messages coming in on the Stahlberg Tatum text line. We'll uh, invite some of your phone calls as well. This is AM 920 FM 96.5 News Talk KVEC.
21 minutes after the hour as we're in conversation with Dan Shadwell, giving her a chance to catch up on all the events that have been happening this month. Your phone call still to come. Meanwhile, Dan, are you ready for the Stolberg Tatum text line? Oh, sure. Far right. away. Text uh, number one. Doesn't it make sense for the debt limit to rise as the population rises? Uh, well, I'm not an economist, but what I would tell you from my, my meager uh, studies is is really uh, effectively what we want to try to do is make sure that growth keeps up with any deficit spending because that's really that's really what we're doing and a lot of by the way we could we could talk about the infrastructure bill that the biden administration shepherded through congress and the whole idea behind that is that if you spend money to improve your infrastructure it actually spurs more growth which brings in more tax revenues which helps to offset spending uh text number two on the stolberg tatum line by uh by being held hostage by the house freedom caucus Kevin McCarthy is compromised and will not be an effective speaker. We can look forward to two years of gridlock. I wish I thought that were not true, but I I tend to agree with it. And um, and, and here's the problem, of course, because the Democrats are in control of the Senate. And, of course, the White House is under a Democrat as well. So whatever the House does in terms of passing bills are likely to be sort of I don't know. I mean, if you follow the the extremists in the Republican Party um, with a lot of these investigations, a lot of it, it may just come down to screaming and yelling and pointing fingers and blaming and not actually amount to any sort of real legislative purpose that helps the American people. And if they do pass various bills, and you may remember during the Trump administration, there were scores of efforts to try to overturn the Affordable Care Act, which amounted to nothing because it never it never actually passed. Um, even, even frankly, with the Republicans in control, it didn't pass. Uh, all of that, all of that, uh, the screaming and yelling and the fifth throne amounted to nothing. And in the meantime, we didn't get anything done. And whatever the, the, the House does, the Senate then would have to agree to and the president would have to sign in order for anything to be done. So, refresh my memory, please. The last time that we had this budget deficit debate, who blinked? Well, so in 2011, um, that was really the bit, the, the last big brinksmanship period, and Obama uh, finally agreed to some caps on spending um, in order to to uh, to get the debt ceiling uh, raised. Now, the problem is that I think. Democrats looked at that, and and I think they learned the lesson that agreeing to those spending caps, all that that did effectively was encourage the Republican Party to continue to do this and try to hold the whole country hostage by refusing to raise the debt limit. And again, this these are bills we owe. These are not. I mean, we've already spent the money. <laughs> so so this is a matter of like if you just decide you're all of a sudden going to stop paying your car bill, your car is going to get uh, confiscated. Um, if you stop paying your mortgage, you're going to be you're going to be put out on the street, and your your house will be sold. So it makes no sense for us to default. And and in fact, in 2011, when we did do this, the net result was that the GDP, the gross domestic product in the United States, dropped by one percent. Now, if we're already struggling with high inflation and the economy is slowing, that's the last thing we want if we're going to continue to try to pay our bills. So. In a perverse way, holding this gun to our heads collectively 
would end up actually making everything far worse. I mean, personally for Americans in their own uh, budgeting, but also from a national perspective, because if the growth slows and we, we start losing GDP points, it makes us even less able to pay our bills. So it, it's a terrible spiral. So in the West Wing version of this, President Bartlett shut the government down rather than cave in to the Republicans. Yes, and that was a that was a situation where in that particular show, as I recall, it was effectively calling the Republicans bluff. Yeah. Um, but it's a dangerous game either way. So we shall have to see what happens here. Meanwhile, before the break, uh, you mentioned Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene. What about everyone's favorite new congressman, George Santos? <laughs> well, that, that's a, that's a, a really he's he's an interesting character. Um, you know what? One one other quick thing. Let me let me let me make one other point sure. real fast about the about the debt. Sure. Um, the, we are currently at thirty one point four trillion dollars, and that's that's our national debt. What I would remind people is that it was at twenty eight trillion dollars. After Trump left, Trump, with his tax cuts primarily uh, that benefited the wealthiest of Americans, and you know some economists have put the figure at roughly eighty percent of the benefits went to the top one percent. That add, you know that and, and a bunch of other spending when he didn't cut the deficit uh, led to seven point eight trillion dollars added to the national debt. So. And you didn't hear a peep out of Republicans while that was going on. But now that you've got, you've got Joe Biden in here trying to get infrastructure together, and we have, we have a lot of debt that was left over from the pandemic um, and coronavirus programs to help support the economy so the economy didn't crash, now all of a sudden the GOP is, oh, we're up in arms about, uh, about all of the debt and deficits. So anyway yeah well, uh, well, we'll hold off on george santos until after the news break but it seems to yeah. me that on both sides what's happening with the democrats and republicans is that everything that's going to be done over the next two years is all about mm-hmm. the the election in 2024 i i think that's absolutely true and and here's the other thing ultimately we as citizens are responsible for what our lawmakers do and if we allow them to just kind of uh, run roughshod over all of the programs and the policies and do whatever they want to do in order to maintain and, uh, and consolidate their power at the expense of actually getting something done or getting something done that, that improves our lives, we really ultimately have to blame ourselves. So I'm hoping maybe that some Republicans will reach out to, to the GOP and the House and say, guys, come on, knock it off. This is just going to hurt everybody. And I'm also hoping that the Democrats can begin conversations in earnest with some of the more moderate members of Congress so that we can hopefully begin to resolve some of these things. All right. And we will begin to go to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig checks in with Time Saver Traffic and Weather Together. We'll continue our conversation. Mr. Shadwell, invite you to participate. I'm Dave Congleton. Stay with us. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show, Dan Shadwell, on this broadcast. We're talking about what we expect to happen in the House of Representatives now that Kevin McCarthy, our former congressman for much of this county, is now the Speaker of the House. Dan has been talking about the way that uh, Kevin McCarthy achieved the speakership, 
the ongoing battle over the debt ceiling, some initial committee appointments, what he expects to happen. As we continue, if you want to join in, feel free to pick up the phone, give us a call at 805-543-8830. You can even call us toll-free at 800-549-5832 or chime in on the Stolberg Tate text line. All of those uh, work. Uh, Dan, on the Stolberg Tatum text line, listener wants to know, why do you think it's wrong for Congress to seek budget cuts to get the debt down? Uh, just like at home, we need to curtail spending to pay our mortgage and energy bills. Well, I, I think if you're going to negotiate future spending, let's let's negotiate future spending. I think that's that's a completely appropriate um, goal and task for Congress, both House and Senate. And the way to do that is to get the two parties together and work out and negotiate what the the spending is going to look like in the discretionary areas. Now, um, between 25 and 30 percent of what we spend money on through our government is actually what they call discretionary, meaning it is not locked in with legislation that sort of holds those spending amounts. And without getting into the weeds too much, a lot of what we spend money on um, is uh, is various programs, and those those include Social Security and Medicare and, and a whole bunch of other things. And those are locked in. in. In fact, they're not discretionary, meaning they don't come up for a vote on a regular basis. So the things right. that do come up for negotiation are things like military spending and other government types of spending. So moving forward, yes, it's a great idea to do that, but that's not what we're talking about. Raising the debt limit is just making sure that we're paying the bills that we have already uh, incurred, that money that we've already agreed to spend. And if we don't do that, what happens is we end up losing full faith and credit uh, for the United States government, and pretty soon we start having problems with, oh, places like China, where they hold a huge amount of, of our debt. All right, let's take a call. we got Paul in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Paul. Hello, Dave. Hey, Paul. Well, let's uh, address the elephant in the room. We, we, we know that what, as long as a Democrat is a president, that Republicans are, are willing to drive the, the car off the cliff in order to hurt people. And, and that's just a fact. Like when uh, President Obama, the night he was inaugurated, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Newt Gingrich, a bunch of Republican leaders got together and they said they were going to they were going to oppose everything that Obama did. They were going to oppose everything. And the reason why they were going to do that is because they saw that as a path back to power. It didn't matter that it was millions of, of Americans were losing their jobs and people were losing their, their life savings and people were losing their jobs. It didn't matter to them. They just wanted a path back, back to power. And so they were going to hurt millions of Americans just it, and they even swore that even if you were for a policy that was going up up for a vote, you were to oppose it. That's why we had John McCain voting against a, a bill that had his name on it. Mm. He was a sponsor of his own bill, and he voted against it. Hang on, Paul. John, or excuse me, Dan. Um, yeah, Paul, I, I think you're absolutely right on about that. Now, I, I don't want this to sound like a purely partisan thing, because I, I do think that there are areas where Democrats need to negotiate, too. But I do I do think you're correct in this particular case. This All this does is stand to hurt 
the entire economy and our standing in the world. And there's no there's no benefit to this. It, it is partisan, Dan. I, I'm I'm going to tell you right now, and like I said, address the elephant in the room. It is partisan because the Republicans, this is what they do. When the, since 1970, the debt ceiling has been raised a, a bunch of times. But under Democratic presidents since 1970, only 29 times has the debt ceiling been raised. Under Republican presidents, 49 times. And Republicans just don't care. Under, under Reagan alone, it was 18 times. And, and our credit rating has already been downgraded. In 2013, I believe it was. And Standard & Poor's, who downgraded our, our bonds already, and that costs all of us because we have to pay more interest on the money we borrow, Standard & Poor's directly pointed at, at Republicans in, I, in Congress I, for the reason why they were downgrading the bonds. Hang on a second. Craig wants to jump in. Craig? Yeah, it, it's happened before, 21 times since 76. What has happened? Uh, government shutdown due to uh, budgeting uh, once uh, for 35 days in, uh, was it 2018, when Trump was trying to get bu- uh, money for the wall. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. Uh, it I don't see it as this sky is falling moment. And it's quite obvious. I mean, this is just leverage. As Dan was saying, you know, it's future spending that they're trying to get. And, but that's what they're doing. They're using today's budget to leverage negotiations for future spending. Nothing is going to change. The world's going to continue turning and it has 21 times since 1976. All right. Those, Those weren't for raising the debt ceiling. That wasn't putting our bonds at risk. That's Craig. So it, there's a difference. All right, Paul. Thanks for checking in. 805-543-8830. Uh, Sandra is on KVEC. Hey, Sandra. Hi, Dave. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I mean, I just have to say, you know, if let's pretend we were, you know, just at home and not this government, right? Because when you... Uh, separate yourself from the government. It's like it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's something big that you don't think you have anything to do with it. Right. But, you know, we all have something to do with it, and ultimately this debt or it's going to have to be paid by our, grand- by our kids, by our grandkids, in the form of either they're going to have to pay it in the form of taxes or the way of life, the cost of living for them. Uh, th- this is something criminal, and-, and all of us should be ashamed. Uh, hang on, Sandra. What do you say, Dan? Uh, um, I, well, I, I don't know about it being criminal. I, um, so he, here's the thing. The, the, these are very complicated negotiations, and the way we decide to spend money in this country is a matter historically as well as practically of compromise. So, um, Sandra, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, truthfully, that is always the case. We are always basically uh, kind of passing along some debt to our kids and grandkids, and the key is to make sure that the economy continues to grow so that we can pay that down. Um, And in addition, um, what you want to remember is that this is not just Democrats doing this. This is Republicans doing this, and and the last $7 trillion-plus that were raised, um, that were added to the national debt, came in the form of a tax cut primarily for the wealthiest Americans by Donald Trump. So, and that was all there, and the Republicans were absolutely fine with that. There was no question about, oh, yeah, it's going to be just fine. And historically, what we have done in this country is that when we have the boom times, low interest rates, and the economy is doing well, 
That's when we spend money to try to pay down the national debt. And it didn't happen at all during the Trump administration. Let, Not at all. Let, let Sandra respond. Sure. So, you know, I have I have two children, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. And what you just said reminds me of my kids. He did it. No, he did it. No, she did it. No, he did it. And therefore, you know, and they, it keeps going back and forth, blaming each other as to who is responsible. And at the, the point is that at some point, all of us are responsible Though also the other thing I want to say is that when we're sending uh, $120 billion with a B to Ukraine and, like, fighting these wars that have no business being in, mind you that we're borrowing that money from our kids, from our grandkids, from our great-grandkids to fund these stupid wars that we have no business to be in and, you know, just spam- sponsoring this senseless, needless, stupid projects throughout the country and the world – you know what? I think that to be for, for you to sit here on, on, on the radio and, and to be saying this, like, I really it's kind of shame. It's, it's, it's well, kind of a shame. Well, wait a minute. He's entitled to his opinion, as you are entitled to your opinion, Sandra. And as always, we appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. Now, Dan is just here expressing his opinion. You don't have to agree with him. But it's not shameful. I happen to agree with a lot of what he's saying. Am I shameful? So, Dan, we've heard, we're hearing this argument a lot, and this is obviously something of the McCarthy agenda here. What about Ukraine? And what, what do you think about the continuing millions of dollars uh, to okay. support Ukraine? Well, billions of dollars is, is, is the actual amount. And here's okay. the deal. If you, if, you, if you listen to any of our defense experts, and that, those include, by the way, active as well as retired generals, they will tell you this is the best bargain the United States has ever had in terms of, of fending off uh, efforts by foreign adversaries to just willy-nilly take over other countries. We are not spending any, we're not spending any lives, we are not sending any Americans into this battle. We are helping a country that is a democracy defend itself against an an authoritarian dictatorship that has engaged in an unlawful war, killing thousands and thousands of, of civilians and committing war atrocities. This is absolutely, in my opinion, the very best way we could possibly be spending dollars in foreign policy to to maintain our democratic principles internationally as well as our allegiances with our allies and keep the world free from this kind of dictatorship. All right, we're in conversation with Dan Shedd. Well, we'll come back for a final segment on AM 920, FM 96.5. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. Top of the hour, it's ABC Radio News, and then it's our interview with Joan and Jeff Buckingham, focusing on Joan's recent battle against cancer. If you want in on this conversation with Dan Shadwell, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. It's Dan's first appearance on the show this year, so we've been catching up talking about the House of Representatives under a new speaker and the Republican Party. On the uh, Stahlberg-Tatum text line, Dan, Rob at Atascadero checks in. Hey, Rob, there has been no federal budget since the Clinton presidency. Both parties have chosen not to do their jobs, and yet we still reelect them. Clinton was the last president to have a balanced budget. 
Okay, so if the question is a balanced budget, yes, I, I, I think that I think factually that that is accurate, and that was a compromise between uh, Newt Gingrich and, and Bill Clinton, and um, and there was there have been efforts, I would say, for bipartisan negotiations to try to lower the debt. Trump planned and on, said that he was going to try to lower the debt, uh, but then. Uh, the coronavirus hit. Um, Biden had said the same thing, but basically there was a lot of, uh, of debt that went into trying to support the economy. And, and and it's probably worth reminding people that if we had not really gone after the coronavirus and trying to uh, to fund vaccines and then widespread distribution, not only would our economy be in serious, serious trouble, but we would have had many, many more deaths in this country. We, we had way too many as it was, no question. But it, it would have been even worse. All right, let's take so, some. Let's take some more calls. Yeah. We've got Garth in a Tascadero. Hey, Garth. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, How's Garth. It going? We're good. Um, so you had a caller a while back, and I usually don't agree with her, and I can't remember her name. Sandra. But, Sandra. But Sandra, this time, uh, was spot on. Um, How so? You know, um, well, about the the waste of money that we're sending to Ukraine and the dangerous, you know, it's a dangerous situation we're creating. Um. But she, the name calling back and forth, you know, the, the Democrats don't have anything to cheer about lately. You know, the dismantling of democracy in this country has been a bipartisan um, project. So, you know, both parties are complicit in this. And until people see that that's the reality, nothing's ever going to change. You know, their democracy is gone in this country. You know, the courts, the legislative bodies, the executive branch, the media – even public broadcasting are all captive to corporate power. The coup d'etat has taken place. We've lost. The American population has lost. So what we have to do is try to unbury ourselves, and that's not going to be an easy task. Dan, so I, just Democrats yeah. and Republicans going back and forth is just a bunch of malarkey. Dan, I don't even know how you begin to respond to that. Um, well, I, I, okay, so... I mean, again, the biggest parts of the budget spending, frankly, are things like Social Security and Medicare. And and listen, if if Republicans are in favor of getting rid of their own Social Security and Medicare, I haven't heard that. Um, so a lot of this just really comes down to a lot of hot air. But in in terms of the total overall aid to Ukraine, it's a small, small fraction of what the U.S. GDP is. So, um, I mean, we had uh, first, let's see... Um, $1.5 trillion omnibus appropriations for fiscal year 2022. And out of the $1.5 trillion, we've spent roughly $70 billion to defend democracy. Um, to me, that sounds like a pretty good bargain. <laughs> Garth, respond. Well, defending democracy has nothing to do with Ukraine. And um, so that's, that's ridiculous. You know, the military-industrial well, complex... The experts would disagree with you. I, yeah. yeah. Okay. The military-industrial complex bleeds the treasury of half of its discretionary spending. So that's that's one of the big problems. You know, along with deindustrialization that you know has taken place in the last forty years of this country, democracy is not here anymore. And Biden himself has talked about doing away with cutting Social Security. So to just blame the Republicans for that is just way off base, yeah. and it, it's not and it's not healthy to. Because it, it disenfranchises half of the United States, and we need to be, you know, bringing people together and going after the real problem, which is the complete lack of democracy in this country. Which is a whole other topic. Garth, thanks for checking in. Appreciate the passion. Let's uh, hear from Margaret on KVEC. Hi, Margaret. 
Well, good evening. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. I just wanted to make a comment about the Ukrainian situation. Putin is doing this as an experiment. If he's able to topple Ukraine, he's not going to stop there. This is a plan to take over the entire bloc again that was the Soviet bloc. And I think we're naive if we look at this as a, one, a, a one-off. It's not. Mm. And in addition to that, this, the little bit of help that we're giving is nothing compared to the agony and the suffering that's going on over there right now. And all the people that have uh, been horrible, been killed and mutilated and and the spirit that they have exhibited to me is just utterly inspirational. Dan, the other I, thing I just wanted to mention yeah. quickly is um, under the Clinton administration, if I'm not correct, I think the, the deficit was down to like zip. So yeah. I, who knows what in the world was going on there? Well, anyway, yeah. Clinton, Clinton was the last president to have a balanced budget. I know that. And mm-hmm. also, Margaret, I think Dan and I would agree with you about the need to support Ukraine. And Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. the call. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Michael is in San Luis. Hey, Michael. Hi, I agree Hi. with what most of you and Daniel are talking about. But as far as Garth and some of the Republicans that are talking about Ukraine, if I know some people in the Pentagon, and what they said is by just supporting with the $2.5 billion, we basically hamstrung and wiped out half of Putin's military force, not just to continue attacking Ukraine, but to continue to, you know, their expansion. So, you know, Garth and some of these people that are saying that it's not not only morally right, but it's it's fiscally right thing to do, maybe we can start lowering our military budget after that. Short response, Dan? Well, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think uh, it's been, it, it, there have been multiple benefits from doing this, including um, including really strengthening our alliances with our allies. Yeah. And I, I guess, Michael, according to the polls, most Americans still support what we're doing in Ukraine. Well, most Americans and most Europeans and anybody that lived under the old USSR's um, satellite dictatorship. I mean, that's what Putin has been wanting since he took power was to, you know, to reassert the Soviet Union under the Russian flag. Yeah. All right, Michael, thank you very much. We've got Henry on KVEC. Hi, Henry. Yeah, most Americans are brainwashed. They don't have all the information. We went over there and overthrew their government in 2013. And in fact, it's, we're turning it into a de facto NATO country ever since that time. We've also been working on dangerous experiments. I mean, the, the, the NATO countries have encircled the USSR and it was, that was broken promises to Gorbachev. And you know, all this money, it, it might be a small percentage of the budget, but there goes our borders, border security budget. There goes the, uh, any COVID relief money that might come up again. That's money going to Ukraine. What? They don't have a democracy and they never had one. And that's not our business. We've been interfering in every country in the South Central America and look at what happened. They're all coming here now because we, screwed up their economies, and, and all we've done is uh, uh, support the dictators. So come on. Right. You know, the, you're, that guy Armstead that comes on all the time, he never brings up all the, it's lies by omission. He never brings up all these things that we've been doing over there before, well, way before the war. Henry, started. the next time Professor Armstead comes on the show, you be sure to call in, and I'll give you a chance to confront the professor directly. Meanwhile, I appreciate the call. Thank you. And Dan, how do you respond to that? 
Oh boy, um, yeah. I, I, there's there's more there than I could possibly address. I I, I would just say in general, I, I fundamentally disagree with, with virtually everything he said. I mean, the United States. Uh, I would just urge people if you if you have not had a chance to brush up on your World War II and World War One history, um, there are lots and lots and lots of lessons about what's going on in Ukraine at, at the hands of the Russians and and. Putin is absolutely um, hell-bent on trying to reestablish the Soviet Union. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. And all you have to do is talk to some of the other countries that are now NATO members, uh, and you can talk to any of the Baltic states, you can talk to Moldovans, you uh, can talk to people who are uh, along those borders, uh, and they're Dan, absolutely petrified that this is going to expand, let like me, Margaret was saying. Let me jump in. David, I got about 45 seconds. Oh, well, there were two things I was going to raise. Uh, Quickly. The fellow was just talking about 2015. That was when Paul Manafort was hired to create the dictatorship in Ukraine. But the other angle is uh, United, or the USSR uh, fell apart and is no longer communism. They're a corporate state, basically, a bunch of oligarchs. And when you start looking at China, same thing. China is a pack of oligarchs. The United States is rapidly becoming corporate state. This is like a corporate, uh, a corporate war in pretense of a, a, a national war. I'll have to leave it at that, David. Thanks for checking in. We didn't get a chance to talk about George Santos, but lovely to have nope. Dan Shadwell back on this broadcast. He gets twenty seconds for a final thought. Yeah, my pleasure. I would just say, Dave, that um, the folks in Ukraine don't see this as a battle of corporations. One last thought, too. Um, I would just say, since the Republicans are now in control in the House, and they have been talking so much about wanting immigration reform over the years, let's see if they actually do it, because the Democrats are ready to sign off on it. Let's see. Maybe that's one area where they can get some agreement. That could be our next topic. Thank you, Dan. Off we go. ABC Radio News. Craig has the very latest in time saver traffic and weather together. And it's our conversation with Jeff and Joan Buckingham. This is KVEC. The 920 KVEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.